Welcome to For What It's Worth, an introduction and immersion into the furry fandom. And now, two fools who want donuts wrapped in bacon and Oreos, Rue and Tugs. <laughs> you can open the episode or sit there. You, you look like that you've just lost a few brain cells there, Corey. No? He's tired. He wants it's, coffee. It's Tiny Tunes, so... Oh. Good. He's tired. I was watching the video because he was playing a YouTube clip. Oh. So I was the only one privileged enough to watch the video. Oh, you, it's an audio thing. <laughs> so open this episode already. All right, so welcome to For What It's Worth. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Wait, wait, hold on. I'm going to do it. And welcome back. <laughs> Hey, I'm back. Yeah, Corey's yeah. back. Yay. Yeah, so it's um, season three, episode 22. In Furs We Trust. The topic that we have today is surface furs. And we are going to be joined by our guest, Hoofin. Nice, nice. And, and that's, that's service, not servicing furs. <laughs> right? It's <laughs> to do with foxes, right? So well, we did have that Fox episode, so we're just, you know, repraising it. So before we start that, what have you been up to? Well, I finally got a new job. Woo! You mentioned that last show, I think. It's only been a week. Oh, well, things have been going great with it. I've been enjoying it. So I have now a lab fox. So I put a lab coat on every day. And then you go, flash! And then you close it up again. <laughs> So I'm trying to create a new um, type of cookie with, you know, all the chemicals and stuff like that. I want you to make a donut cookie. A donut cookie? Yeah. That would be awesome. That would be good. Mm. And... What is this gaining muscles you put on the rundown? Well, from work and stuff like that, I've been, like, lifting heavy stuff and... Whatever, show me your arm. Oh, whatever. It's it's nothing. It's nothing. You can't put it on the rundown if it's not gaining real. Look at that. Look at that. You're flexing your fat. Just a little bit. (laughs) Oh, thanks. (laughs) It's okay. I flex my fat all the time. Um, I've also been working to try to not spread myself too thin. You got a big Uh, knife? The the local um, furry scene ended up coming and asking me to lead their new group. I mean, the the group and stuff like that. What? Yeah. What group is this? U2F2 or something. United. So there was a leader. What? I'm sorry. When you say leadership, I cringe just a bit. You know what? Here's 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 how it should be. They, Someone they ha- nominated. Well, me. here's the thing. Does that make sense? Leading a group is a necessary evil. It's because we, as human beings, we do that. We we crave structure in social settings. But it just means that you happen to be the first among equals. Well, needless to this say, this is my advice to you on the. <laughs> Needless to say, I turned it down. What? Well, yeah, I turned it down. The reason why is because I want to be able to give more time to you guys for what it's worth. And also give more time to also Anthrocon and stuff like that. So, Like you say, you guys at For What It's Worth, and I instantly picture this derelict, giant office building with like a a buzzy neon on the top, (laughs) FWIW. And one person in this conference room. And s- yeah, one lonely person crying in a conference room. And they raise their hand and say, I love you, Rue. Raise your hand? <laughs> Where raise your hands? I don't know. What, what, like like is- a classroom? Raise your paw? I don't know. Oh, Ra- razor. Raise your hand. I thought, I, I, yeah, I thought you meant like Gillette. No, 
Razor hands. I'm like, is that like a crappy Edward Scissorhands? Oh my gosh. <laughs> so what have you been up to, Tugs? Uh, well, like I said last show, I went to Vegas. Um, I took the husband. Actually, I didn't take the husband. It was like this. He was coming home and doing an Einstein and ripping his hair out. So I ended up saying, you're going on vacation. And uh, so we went down to Vegas, uh, hung out with Robert Valley. It was a good time. Yeah. And congrats to them on their anniversary. They, it was their 15th. Woo! Wait, wait, wait. 15. 10 legally married, 15 being together. Oh, okay. Yes. It was also one of their birthdays. So that was a lot of fun. Did you go to the Pinball Hall of Fame? I didn't. Why? I had every intention of going. Um, The heat was just killing me. Yeah. It's been pretty hot lately. Oh, man, dude. It was like 107 there. But the problem was, it's like it's been hot here. It's it's been really bad. But the problem is, is that it's a humid heat there. I don't know where they're getting all this water. By the way, when I was a kid and it was 125, it wasn't that sticky. It's from Hoover Dam. Yeah, which that, is about that, actually. I asked about that, that dam place. Yeah, the dam. If the dam actually loses, um, I think it's not, it, there's not very much water it can lose before the turbines won't be able to generate water anymore or electricity anymore. The intakes will be too high. Really? Yep. Yep. So they're talking about draining Lake Powell. What? Yeah. What would happen if they did that? It would not be a lake. Oh. Lake Powell stores water in Colorado. Yeah. Then it goes down, so they might let more water in and drain Lake Powell. Nice. Because California needs their waters. But but then if we... Then there would be no Lake Powell. I know. It'd be I great. I don't care about Lake Powell, honestly. <laughs> I know a lot of people locally do. I'm just... Eh. We got we have 500 other lakes. Why do we need to care so much about this one lake that's contaminated with mussels anyway? Because it's our water, not theirs. It's the BLM's water. Utah doesn't own it. <laughs> this music is awesome, by the way. Yeah, you like nice. that? Yeah, um, oh, and I played this game. So I was at Target when we got back, and Devolver, who does all those weird 8-bit style games, uh, they had this game called Luftrasser that came out a few months ago that I picked up. It's so good. What? It's like World War II Geometry Wars. Oh, I thought it was the game that you were... You said something on here about horse penises? I didn't write that. Yes, you did. That was you. No, it wasn't. What are you thinking about? I don't you're know. <laughs> okay, go ahead. Continue <laughs> with your story. Uh, no, it's just... It's a fun game. It's... Uh, how would you describe it, Corey? You were watching me for a minute. What? <laughs> he was obviously entertained... Buy it. <laughs> uh, right. And then, otherwise, it's just been hot. I've been staying inside and, you know, doing that stuff. So, that's it. Sweet. Hey, hey, hey. It's Rose Dirty Time. <laughs> He's there with his O face. Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're doing your O face? I'm all ready. Just kidding. All right, let's open this cookie and see what's there. You know, I never really noticed before, but it sounds like it's saying Rue's spooky time. <laughs> spooky time? It's Rue's spooky time. Oh, 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 boo. Just kidding. All right, this, the person you rejected could make you happy if you just say yes in bed with a cookie. That is an excellent fortune. That is awesome. Excellent fortune. <laughs> All right. Well, let it, let's get on with our main segment. 
and now we're back. So Ruse brought some kind of an ass into our studio. Literally two gigantic butt cheeks. You donkey! <laughs> <laughs> Who'd you bring in? I brought in Hoofin! Yay! He's my next-door neighbor. That's true. Do you, like, look at him through the window with binoculars? Sometimes. Sometimes I'm, I'm sitting there from my window, just have you, staring. Have you invited him to shower with you yet? Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. There was that one. Okay. No, no. Rue's looking for a donkey show. <laughs> so We've gone swimming together, though. That's not skinny dipping. No. It's much more boring. I know. <laughs> so the real question we have to ask is, how do you feel about Gordon Ramsay's taking your name in vain? Constantly. <laughs> I actually love the fact that he was doing that. And then when they had the donkey on the intro to the show, I actually saved a copy of that. It was <laughs> so, so epic. And then they took it off. And he doesn't say it anymore. I don't know why. Yeah, I don't know why he doesn't say it. Maybe maybe the, the donkey people came down hard on him or something. The donkey people. I don't know. Who are the donkey people? I, don't I just know. felt liberated every time he would say that. Liberated. It wasn't an insult. It was sort of like, hey, you know. I'm acknowledging those folks. <laughs> those folks. Yeah. Yep. Oh my god, that's funny. So tell us a little bit more about yourself. And talking into the microphone. Who who are you? <laughs> I know we've already said who you are, but who are you? What is your species? How long have you been in the fandom? Well How? Okay, Go. everybody knows me either as Hoofin or Hoofin Donkey. So I tend to go by Hoof and Donkey now, but yeah, I started out as a pony and somehow migrated to a donkey. Whoa. I don't remember the transition point or why. It just kind of happened. I started out as a pony is a very, very big thing to say these days. Well, and it wasn't anything to do with the My Little Pony show. Not that there's anything wrong with that. Did you want a pony when you were a kid? Yes. Did you want a candy-colored pony when you were a kid? Yes. When I was 10 years old, I asked my mom to buy me a horse and she said, not in a million years. Of course, we lived in New York City, so where would I put it? <laughs> Your butt? Yeah, so I thought, well, why can't we just keep it in the backyard? The backyard? <laughs> was your backyard Central Park? It was big. I mean, I thought it was big enough. So I, said all, I said, we can build something back there. Nobody will notice. <laughs> you put up like a little fence in Central Park and a sign, this is my pony. I had it all planned out, too. I even built a cardboard stall. And she's like, no, that's not going to work. It would eat it. Yeah, it probably would. <laughs> This tastes like cardboard. <laughs> How long have you been in the fandom then, like, total? So, technically, I've been a furry since I was a kid, even before I even knew what it was. So That's how I feel a lot of the time. I mean, we're talking 20 years, at least. But I, I've carried it with me my whole life. So, why do you say that? Why do you say that you've always been a furry? Like, what was some of the things that, that were happening in your youth that show signs that you were a furry? I was aligning with horses more than anything. I would see them and get excited. I wanted to be around them, not you know, not in that kind of way, but I actually sought out the one and only stable on Staten Island, which is kind of rare if you think about it, because New York City, you know, is not a lot of places for animals that large. But I found it at the edge of the island, and I actually went horseback riding and convinced my family to let me do that regularly. And they never could understand why, but I just... I love them. They're so beautiful. They have such amazing personalities. And I just love that. I want to be part of that. 
So did, did you ever own horses in any point in time in your life? I did. I owned a beautiful stallion, and his name was Pistol. He was mine for about four years. I, I got him uh, back in 2007, and I actually took him to shows. I rode him in competition, hunter class. We won a lot of awards together. But unfortunately, he got ill, and I lost him. But that was definitely one of the happiest times of my life. Not to be crass, I'm just curious because I actually I was talking to someone who lost one of their pets, and it was a dog. I'm like, well, what do you do with a dog? And like, well, you know, you backyard most of the time. What do you do with a horse? Well, after he got ill and surgery couldn't save him, I had him buried in a cemetery. He's like got a pet an, cemetery? Or? He's got an actual plot, and he's got an actual space. So, yeah. Hmm. I mean, I could technically go, go visit that if I wanted to. And people do that with their cats and dogs, too. But you can do it with a horse. Huh, I had no idea. Yeah, he he meant that much to me. So I decided, you know, I might as well immortalize him. So it was That's a really cool. it was a really cool decision, I think. That's cool. On to happy things like conventions. How many have you been to? Uh, well, see, my first convention was Further Confusion back in 2012. That was a lot of fun. And I went to AC, I went to MFM, MFF. Uh, I've done quite a few. I did IndyCon. I, I just sort of had a moment where the conventions were so much fun, I just went from one to another to another, all in one year. Did you burn out? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I, I think I lost about 20 pounds and uh, <laughs> didn't want to look at a fursuit for a little while after that, but it was it was a lot of fun in between. I met so many great people. And now, what are you trying to do in the first, I mean, in the community itself? Well, now, actually... Arrow and myself, we're doing fursuits. We're actually making them for the other furries that want to order from us. It's just a fun way to stay involved without going to all the conventions and make a little bit of extra money on the side. So I'm hoping that takes off. That'll be cool. Yeah. That'll be cool. Um, so this episode, we're going to be talking a little bit about service furs. But only a little bit. Only a little. <laughs> no, the whole episode. Yeah. So, um, the question is, is what branch of the military did you serve in? Well, I served in the U.S. Army. And I technically served in the U.S. Army National Guard. And I had a very, very short two-month stint in the actual reserves. So, but the U.S. Army okay. was, the, was the main branch I was in. And how long did you serve? Just, just over ten years. Uh, as far as the books are concerned, I had ten perfect years how many tours is that i had three tours where'd you where did you tour i was sent to desert storm at the very very tail end right after my basic training i didn't know anything i was so green at that time and then years later when i had been through all my training and i was well versed in how military handles i volunteered to go to operation desert spring which was in kuwait and that was in august of 2001 is that where they had to do the dynamite on the oil, the oil wells? Yeah. Okay. Basically, we were trying to keep the peace between Kuwait and Iraq. Okay. I mean, they were, they were still kind of fighting, even years later. So, Operation Desert Spring was one of the many that was supposed to be peacekeeping. So, we went out there. And because I was already in country at the time September 11th incident occurred, and I watched the towers coming down from Kuwait, our mission was changed. So we were redeployed while there for Operation Enduring Freedom. So that was the third deployment. 
And I wound up going from Kuwait to Afghanistan and spent the majority of the remainder of our tour there. So about two years total. It was a very long time. Did you find sand in places you didn't know you had? I found sand everywhere. <laughs> you had sand dunes. You had the heat. It would be 125 degrees, and the humidity would be about 80%. It was, it was, I can't even describe it. We walked off the bus for the first time, and they said, now, everyone, you got to be prepared for this. And we thought we were. And it's like this wall of heat and moisture just hits you. And it, you can't describe it. You have to experience it yourself. Is it kind of like going to Florida when you go outside and it's all, bam, welcome to Florida every time? Absolutely. Yep. I remember the first time I visited Florida. So is it a dry heat? or a- no, no, it's, it's just humid. The oh, Gulf humid? is right there. So it heats the Gulf up so much you see all these fish. just they just floating on the water because it's so hot. You can't even take your shoes off and walk up to the edge because it burns. The fish are dead, though, right? They're yeah. Not, they're not sun... Okay, some, I don't know if fish go up to the... Like, hey, it's so hot in here. I'm going to go get some air. Yep. <laughs> it was just an unexpected oh thing to see. But we're like, well, you know, maybe they just don't like the polluted water or something. So we walked up to the edge and we went to touch and we're like, damn, it's got to be about 90 degrees. So what rank were you? Well, when I was in country, I was a sergeant initially because I was working my way up to warrant officer. I had actually trained to be a pilot, and I was just getting my certification and my rating. So while I was in Kuwait, I got that, and I became a warrant one. And by the time I came home, I was a warrant two. What? I've never heard of this warrant. Well, a warrant officer is kind of a hybrid between an enlisted person and an officer. The officers tend to be in charge of planning missions and taking care of troop situations, movements, company policy, while enlisted men carry out all the hard stuff. They do all the grunt work. They do all the actual movement of equipment. They do the repairs. The warrant officers are kind of in between that. They can do both. They can plan missions, or they can be in the field doing the actual jobs with enlisted men. So you kind of have respect from both sides, which is kind of why I did it. <clears throat> so how was it being a furry in the military? Well, that was funny because I didn't hide it. <laughs> I mean, I, I hid the gay side, you know. You had to, because back then... It was don't ask, don't yeah, tell, right? Th- that policy was still full full effect. Do you, do you feel? Are you glad that that policy has since fallen? I, I don't know how I feel about that. I, I'm still toying with why they did it, and if it's safe for anyone to really, truly be open. It's because there's a lot of machismo out well, there, right, in the field? Yeah. I mean, I mean, you have a lot of misconceptions about people thinking that if you are gay or bi, you're going to do something, or you're going to be more aggressive towards the guys and that's not true you're gonna wake up in the night breathing really heavy while you look at them <laughs> yeah yeah no can i have yeah. somebody share in the bed with you when i was fortunate enough that my roommate when i was there was also gay so we were the the dynamic pair of ridiculousness <laughs> you know he would put bright hot pink sheets on his bed <laughs> and then he would put the army od green wool top so nobody could see them and it was sort of our secret, right? But what do you do when there's a surprise inspection? And none of us really thought about it. So, you know, the general happens to fly in. He he only flies in country so he can get a tax break. But he has to do something. So he's like, well, let me inspect the troops, right? So my room, his room, is the first room in the entire group. Right? He hasn't seen anybody else in the company. So he comes up to our room. He walks in. My side of the room has horse plushies on the bed. Oh. 
I've got a camel. My rate, my stereo is on, and there's this little little animation of bunny rabbits jumping across it, <laughs> and it's changing color. And then you look at his side, and he's got little frilly things too. He's got his pink sheets that you don't really see right away, and he's got just little trinkets that you know somebody that's not a straight man would have. So the general walks in, and then he walks out, and he says to my company commander, he's like, "I want to inspect the guys first." <laughs> So the, the commander's like, no, no, this is the men's section. So he walks back in and he's like, are you sure? So he's looking through his paper to try to find our names. And he's like, okay. So he has a blank expression. I'm standing there watching. I'm trying not to laugh. So, you know, he looks at my stuff and yeah, he's making notes. But he walks over to Larry's side. He pulls a sheet back and he sees this bright, hot pink bed. <laughs> And the expression, I, I wish I could have taken a picture without getting noticed. Because it was utter shock. Like, what is this? You know, the fruit company or something? <laughs> fruit company. <laughs> so it kind of set the tone for the rest of everyone else. But he asked me, he's like, what's the deal with the stuffed animals everywhere? So I made up something. I told him, well, I just missed my horse back home. <clears throat> you know, Larry, he had a very feminine voice. So he looks at me and he just kind of flicks his hand and says, whatever. <laughs> I was just laughing. Oh my god! Did did he use the whatever? <laughs> he did. He did. He whatever. did the, the actual flamer style because you know they they can't actually ask you. Yeah. Everyone knows, but they can't ask you: Are you gay? Are you furry? Are you whatever? They can't. They can't ask if you're furry. No, they can't. Why? Don't. It, ask. it was part of that. Don't ask. Don't, don't tell. Ask, policy. Don't tell. I thought that was specifically just about being gay. Oh no! Anything strange. Anything strange, anything unusual. It was just targeted especially for gay people. Why don't they just rename that Who the Fuck Cares? That's how I felt about it. <laughs> I mean, what, what does it matter if you're in the military and you like these kinds of things? I still went out and did my job. I had a rifle. I did everything that everyone else did. Well, and it's not like you're going to be in the trenches and like you're going to go, Oh no, my porcelain horse, horcelain, <laughs> yeah. and like jump up and grab it and get shot. You're not dumb. No, Exactly. I mean, and and okay. you're not going to go out in in surfing in, in a fursuit and be like, you know. Oh, my God. But imagine what that would be like. That would I be... wish I had had my fursuit back then. I mean, I hadn't had one yet. But if, if I could have snuck it over there somehow and just used it on occasion. Because we did have parties done our downtime. Well, yeah, the parties. But, like, if you were going out to, like, go do your job and you're like, I mean, of course you wouldn't do that. But, you know, there's some people that... Never mind. Go ahead. I think now, with the military supposedly being more okay about things, that if somebody wanted to dress up in a fursuit out in the field, have their rifle in hand, they wouldn't totally freak out. As long as you knew everyone in the company and you told them first. If you just did it, I think everyone would send you to psych ward. I think that's what they would automatically do. You'd be, yeah. Yeah. I'm talking about it forever. I'm just imagining, they're all like, what is that? (laughs) Well, you know, and then I had an art book with me because there was a lot of nothing to do in the field. So when you're out there waiting for time to pass, I would draw things. And sometimes they, you know, weren't exactly clean. And I'd leave them under my bed. And I didn't think anyone would notice. But... Dude, they they notice the sheets. They're going to find the... Oh, no, this was funny. This was funny. One One of the actual guys who was visiting needed a place to stay. And the guy I was bunking with said, it would be fine if you guys use my room. I've got to be somewhere else for about two weeks. So they signed him with me. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, cool. I didn't think it would be a problem. And then he finds my pictures, my art, just under the bed. 
And he runs to the company commander to tell everyone that I've got all this naughty stuff. And he's like, well, what do you want me to do about it? <laughs> so, of course, I have to go into the office and just say to him, look, it's just art. He's like, yeah, I thought it was something else. But what awkward situation. Yeah. He really was. So, what are some of the funny things that happened to you while you were out there? Like, what are some of the funny things that happened maybe in basic training? Or what are some of the funny things that happened, like, after basic training? What's some of the craziest things that you did out there with your with your buddies and stuff like that? Well, okay, for basic training anyway, I think the funniest thing... There, there was this African-American drill sergeant... And she just could not pronounce my last name right. She'd call it everything but what it was. And so it kind of made her and I a rival in a way. Yeah. And I love to talk. And I don't know, maybe it's a furry thing and a gay thing and a mix, but I love to talk to people and be really flamboyant about things. So I would always be the one soldier in the line talking when I'm not supposed to. <laughs> so she would walk up to me and say, what's wrong with you, private? Why can't you just be quiet for once? I was always doing push-ups for that. It was funny. <laughs> I, I look back at that now, and I laugh every time because I really was driving her crazy, and I didn't see anything wrong with it. <laughs> but I don't know. On the crazier side of things during my deployment, probably the action in combat. That stuff can get pretty tense. Yeah. I, I went up getting a bronze star for my service because my my platoon troop was marching towards some... IEDs that they couldn't see in the roadway and because I was driving in the Humvee and I was a lead vehicle I could see it but I couldn't communicate that to the lead uh, marching group so the only thing I could do to keep them from actually marching into it was to drive my vehicle into the bomb and set it off which I did and it saved their lives it injured me but at least they all got to go home to their families so, you know, that won me a bronze star. That was probably the craziest thing I had to actually deal with when I was there. That blows my mind because I would be like going, oh, shit, oh, shit, oh, shit, and time would go. That's exactly what it was like. I mean, it, it felt like snap of the fingers after it happened. It happened, and then I was in the hospital, and I was like, wow, what happened in between? I don't remember anything. But I had a lot of people visiting to say thanks. Hmm. <laughs> like, like. I don't know. What I, to I say know. To it's that. like that's just that's just insane. That's insane. I I mean, are are these are these bombs like everywhere then? Yes. Because I mean, you hear about it on the news, but the thing is, is we all know that the news is going for things that will get ratings. So it's I I don't trust it in the in a way. You know what I'm saying? No, you're right. You're right. The one thing I can confirm is that the news, ninety percent of the time, kind of puts what they need to put to keep things in the perspective that will work for everyone that's watching the news wants to keep this situation going forward. Mm -hmm. But in reality, a lot of the missions we would watch on the news, we would look at each other and say, this didn't really happen like that. And yeah, there there had been a few missions. I was a Black Hawk pilot, so we would fly often into the Afghanistan mountains, and we were supposed to clear the caves out. And what we would do is we would just fire at each cave, and that was it. But the news would report that before we cleared the caves, insurgents would run out and shoot at us and try to bomb us down and all the stuff that didn't happen. So we would look at the news and we were like, we were there this morning, that didn't happen. What are they talking about? And it really just, it, it irritates all of us 
because we're trying to keep this clean and neat. And I almost think that they, they put this out there just to get everybody riled up so they'll want to keep this going forward. Hmm. But on a positive side, though, we are doing good out. We are doing good out there. I mean, they have nothing. I have they, to ask just a silly, stupid question: Are they really wearing all white? Like I mean, you know, when, how, you know how like when the when they are like portrayed in movies and stuff, they're wearing like white robes and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Why? why? You're in a brown. That is place. their religious garb. It's oh, oh okay. Religious. I'm like that is not very tactically sound to wear in a mountain. You know, well, I didn't know that. I did not know that that was part of the religious part. So my friend and I, we took one of the vans to Kuwait City, and we actually, you know, locals were like, you guys should buy these. So we bought them and put them on, and we're walking around with the same white thing and the, the black rings around her, and we thought it was fine. We get back, and our commander was freaking out, yelling at us, you can't do that, you're going to insult the locals. And actually, we told them, no, they were actually really impressed that we would do that. Like you embracing their culture. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, you know, I, I thought it was fine, but, you know, we got some pictures of that, and I figured you might as well just kind of blend in a little bit. They're always trying to bomb us. <laughs> I think, do we have time for one more question, or do we have to go to break? Sure. Okay. How did you then sustain your, your furriness there? Oh, that wasn't too hard. Besides the plush. I would actually get magazines, and we were allowed to use our computers, so we could get online, and I could go into the websites, look at the art, read the stories, and stay in contact with my friends. So luckily it wasn't as horrible as just kind of being out in the field all the time. So that's how I did it pretty much. Nice. Well, we should go to break. Yeah, I think we should. So we are going to go to, I think we have Space News, um, and then a few things, and we'll be back. Smokescale Aquatus making contact again with another round of updates for you. As of Friday, July 18th, 2014, here are your space headlines. On July 20th, 1969, half a billion people watched as Neil Armstrong, a 38-year-old American astronaut, climbed down the ladder of the lunar excursion module by way of a grainy televised signal. He remarked on the surface conditions, and then took his first steps across the face of a celestial body other than the only one man has ever known. His famous quote, that's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind, changed the course of history. Forty-five years later, NASA is celebrating the anniversary, asking people to share their stories of where they were when the broadcast was made. If you are alive to witness the landing, tweet it, email it, or film yourself and send it to NASA and join the celebration, the moment when mankind touched another world. In other lunar-related news, NASA has revealed a novel concept for where they might plan to put a moon base, in a pit. The idea is actually quite brilliant, using the moon's natural topography to create a protective barrier from potential debris, minimize exposure to open space, and even perhaps act as a shield against dangerous radiation. On top of that, it could give astronauts access to potential caverns just below the surface for exploration or further shelter. Several potential sites have already been identified by lunar surface scans and high-resolution images. The only questions now are how best to put it into practice and how much will it cost. It's definitely worth considering. In only a few short weeks, the Stennis Space Center will roar to life with the sound of a massive RS-25 engine being tested. The liquid fuel rocket motor was recently installed and awaits its hot fire tests. The RS-25 has proven to be the absolute most reliable, most battle-tested rocket motor ever built, being used as the Space Shuttle's three main engines for 30 years. 
four of them will power the SLS core stage. And remember, these aren't replicas using the same plans. These are the actual engines that carry the shuttles into orbit, and they have many missions under their belt already. The shuttle may be retired, but her legacy will live on. Back on August 30th, 2012, NASA launched two probes into space designed specifically to study the Van Allen belts, the two massive donut-like rings of radiation that encircle the Earth. The purpose of these two probes was to determine how these belts were made. Already they've sent back some pretty interesting details. They found that the inner band remains relatively stable, but the outer band fluctuates greatly, carrying some particles that travel at near the speed of light. Why is this important? Because those particles can damage electrical components and affect astronauts as they pass through them. Like, say, on the way to the moon. Understanding the Van Allen belts will help us better protect our hardware and our people when leaving Earth. Oh, and for you simulation enthusiasts, Kerbal Space Program recently received its version 0.24 update. This saw a massive overhaul to career mode, incorporating the use of money to build rockets, the inclusion of reputation based on success of missions and if your Kermans survive, as well as contracts you can accept and complete for greater rewards. Don't worry, career mode as it was previously has been preserved as science mode, so if you don't like the additional constraints, you can always go back and play it the way you were used to already. The game now runs in a 64-bit environment, meaning potentially greater stability and considerably more processing power at your disposal. If you've been waiting to check this game out, now's a great time. It's available for download on Steam. That's all we've got for you this time. For more information about space and space-related matters, visit NASA and other similar organizations on Facebook, Twitter, and other social media. Until next time, this is Smokescale Aquatus saying keep looking up, space fans. What it's worth is rapidly coming up on the end of Season 3, which means it's time for an epic episode. But it won't happen unless we get your help. And since you're the best audience in the world, we know you'll deliver. So what does furry mean to you? Call us at 469-44-FURRY or send your own recording to cast at forwhatitsworth.com and tell us your personal meaning of furry. Make sure to say who you are and what species you are and we'll get your audio on the air. Personal stories, simple definitions, or pretty much anything will help make this an episode to remember. Again, call 469-44-FURRY or email your audio to cast at forwhatitsworth.com. This is Leo the Artist, and you're listening to For What It's Worth. Gotta go. And welcome back. This is Rue. I'm running the show today. That is the worst impression of me ever. Wow, you had the opportunity to go, yeah, and I'm Tugs. I'm, hello, uh, I'm Tugs. Sounds. So, we're back to the show now, and we're going to be doing stuff. So, <laughs> thanks for your potty break. I don't know. Whatever. Thanks for your potty. No, thanks. Uh, okay, in all seriousness, though. So, we are talking about uh, furries that give service. 
and uh, we're just continuing our little chat here with Hofen. So, what other fun stories do you have for us, or should we just start asking you questions? You can ask more questions, I guess. So what that works? What medals did you get? Oh well, besides the bronze star, there's actually quite a few. I have my army service ribbon. I have two army commendation ribbons, which they give those for doing things that are above and beyond, but a little bit higher than, let's say, an achievement medal. And I actually have one of those. So I have my overseas ribbon for doing one year of service in Germany. I have my expeditionary service ribbon for doing my in-country. I also have my Global War and Terrorism Expeditionary Medal for being part of Enduring Freedom. And I do have the Purple Heart twice, so there's a cluster on that. How do you get the Purple Heart? Just I, I, I know it's prestigious, but a lot of people I know don't know. In, injured uh, yeah, during Yeah, you just get injured. Service. Like if you're shot or... Mm-hmm. Like you have to go to the hospital, not ouch. It has to be yeah. something documentable and reasonable. Like you can't just shoot your foot and, and try to apply for it. Some people have tried that. Uh, you have to be injured in the line of duty. And it doesn't have to be in a combat zone. It, it, you could be working on a ship in the Navy and have, let's say, a machinery explode on you and you get hurt. You could technically get a Purple Star for that, Purple Heart for that. But it just depends on the circumstances. And, and the cluster is just like an add-on? Yeah, they don't really want you to have two of the same ribbon. So they give you a cluster to, to show that you have more than one. So, um, But yeah, I mean, that, that would definitely be my highest one. Uh, I tend not to display them so much. Uh, try not to remind anyone else in the service of what they might have been injured or had to go through when they got theirs. So it's sort of a thing of etiquette we do. Mm, I didn't know. Yeah. So, so like I, I've seen, you know, bumper stickers where they have, um, you know, not the medal itself, but the actual ribbon. Yeah. Uh, you get uh, the stripe, basically, you know, for the Purple Heart, and people display that. So yeah. that's not really something you want to do? No, no, that is fine. Okay. It's just that when whenever you wear your uniform and you go see a lot of the other soldiers, if you have your ribbons out and your medals out there, sometimes for certain individuals, they see the Purple Heart and they have a flashback of what happened to them. So what we try to do is sort of minimize that. We either keep the Purple Heart under our lapel in that part of the ribbon cluster area, or we just don't display the medal. Try not to talk about it too much. Hmm. Huh. It's just a thing of courtesy. That's all. Okay. So something that occurs to me is so there's this scandal going on about the the veterans uh, health support system. I don't know what they call it, but you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, um, definitely. And, yeah, and I'm trying to also make sure our audience outside of the U.S. gets that we have that. Um, you know, so you you get medical benefits and you have your own healthcare system aside from everyone else, right? That's true. Yes. And so there's this scandal, and is it as bad as the media has made it out to be, in your opinion, or is it just more sensationalism? Well, let's put it this way. When I got injured and I was demobilized from Fort Lewis after my tour, I was pretty much patched up. But I didn't know that I had some shrapnel with uranium uh, fragments in it. So shortly after I got home, maybe about four or five months, I started to display some problems. So I went to get looked at. And it was determined to be cancer from the contamination and the radioactivity from that. That's where the second purple heart actually came from. So I should have been treated immediately, see if they could take that out. But it took them almost eight months before they actually got me into a clinic. And by then I had cancer. Why did it take so long? I think it's a series of paperwork glitches. Then they have to get approval. 
funding. I mean, at that time, they were still trying to decide if they should give me this percentage for medical or that. Uh, did he have cancer while he was in or was something that maybe happened on the civilian side so it's not our fault? It's really treacherous to navigate. That seems asinine. Yeah, it should be cut and dried. <laughs> I I wish it was. I really do. It really should be though. I mean, I just I I should have to wait because I didn't go anywhere and fight in any wars if you're whatever they're calling it now because they you know. Well, they didn't pay. They didn't pay a thing. Basically, I got so tired of waiting. I went to the civilian sector and used my private insurance to get treatment, and to this day, they've never reimbursed any of that. Oh. So I. I think I spent about $80,000 getting myself better. That's insane. And it was. It was. And a lot of other service members deal with that. It shouldn't be that way. I've seen, I've seen guys illegitimately get medical benefits just because they were faking being psychotic or because they didn't want to be in anymore. But then I've seen legitimate soldiers who have really, really done what they should come back, need something simple, and be told, well, you'll have to wait. Or we don't know if we can provide that for you at this time. Or you don't meet the criteria. So, you'll, you know, we can't do anything to help you. I am, uh, my mind is absolutely blown by the fact that there's this dicking around. Yeah, I, I, it's the bureaucratic side. It sounds like Congress. Yeah. So that's basically where the, that's where the linchpin is. The Army folks put in the paperwork. Your unit, they care. Mm-hmm. But then you get home and the logistics takes over. And now everything gets screwed up. So you become number lost. Maybe 20, 30 years from now, they'll call me up and say, you know, we, we finally resolved your case. I mean, I've heard of World War II members who are 90 who get a phone call saying, you know, we just realized that we should pay you all this medical, so here you go. So maybe when I'm an elderly gentleman and I don't really need the money anymore. <laughs> Do we one thing. Just go, thanks, Obama. Just at that point in time. <laughs> That's the, the, oh, my God. <sighs> oh, sorry. That's just that's just frustrating to hear. Yeah. I. Uh, hi, Rue. <laughs> so the shrapnel came from when you saved those saved those guys. Is that correct? Actually, this particular uh, contamination was from a bullet round that hit me uh-huh. when I was standing in a completely different area. I had been I had already been patched up and sent back to the field, so I was back uh, where I should be, and I was doing retrans operations, which is. Basically, you drive a Humvee up on a hill, you put two radios together, and the base sends the signal from where they're at to you. Then you retransmit that to, let's say, helicopters in the field, troops, whatever. So I was up there doing that. So basically like a repeater? Yes. Okay. And there was four of us. And there was some insurgents that were advancing on us, and they were far enough away we didn't know they were there until around just out of nowhere hits me. It just goes right through. Comes out the other side, and I didn't even know what happened. It took one of the people I was with. Uh, it was Private Clark. She she looks at me and says, "You got all this red coming out, you know." And and neither of us really thought about it. I just it felt warm, but it didn't hurt. So, you know, it didn't knock me down or anything. It's kind of like that theory where they say the brain, uh, you don't hurt till you see. Like, oh my god, I think I should be hurting. Was it well, like that? Yes. Yes, and then, of course, once you do realize, like, oh, my gosh, and you start freaking out a little bit, and then it starts to hit you, but the adrenaline takes over and makes you feel good. But I later talked to the doctors, and they said, well, basically, because a uranium tip round gets really hot, it can slice through without doing all that damage. And it was far away enough range 
that it wasn't enough to cause me super injury. So they, they did repair everything pretty easily. But the downside was it was fragmentation. And they didn't know. I didn't know. So it stayed inside. And it was just radioactive until I had cancer. And it, it was everywhere. I had cancer in my bladder, my prostate, even my, my colon. It just went everywhere. Is it so, in remission now? Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah, good. about five years now. So I'm in the clear. It is because actually I just learned that, isn't it? You have to get tested periodically, and after five years, then you're you're cured or yeah. For for the doctors, that's the golden hour. Okay. If you can make it to five years, you should be clear. I mean, there's always a chance of recurrence later in life for any reason, but for this particular case, I think I'm going to be fine. I feel a lot better, and things are healing. I'm actually able to work again. So, and where are these guys getting uranium? Like. I, I don't even know where you get uranium. Depleted uranium is what they used to tip the rounds with. And but where do you where do you yeah. just go get that? Well, it's really not. I mean, because it's not weaponized anymore because it's depleted, obviously. And so you pick it up. I mean, there's nuclear reactors in the Middle East. Yep. So they're just like, oh, hold on, I'm just going to dip this in here. Well, no, they they <laughs> will because uranium is an ore. It's right. it is a metal technically. Right. Yeah. Utah has a huge thing in uranium. Yeah. I'm just like. I don't even know where you just get uranium. It's not like you're going to go to Walmart. Of, well, it's pretty soft, too, but yeah. it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they have it. They have it for their reactors and, you know, a little bit disappears here and there. They don't have uh, controls okay. like we do. It falls off the back of a truck. Exactly. <laughs> so, and, and that makes its way to the black market. And then these guys, they they make little round tips out of it. And, you know, they're they're soft, but they work. But they're they're lethal and dangerous to anyone who gets hit with them. Uh, they like to use them mainly because... A smaller round will get hot enough to shoot through a vehicle. If you had an opportunity to do it all over again, would you? Yes, I absolutely would. When I was a pilot flying, nothing has ever matched that. Being in this twin turbine engine helicopter that at the slightest touch will do whatever you tell it is just incredible feeling. And then when you realize that you have 15 rockets at your disposal at any time to just blow up something, and that's so much fun. Did you ever just, like, want to go, I just, I just really want to push this button right yeah. now? Oh, yeah. When I, when I was in training, I would, I would kind of drive the instructors crazy because I would ask them every few minutes, what's this switch do? And what's this one do? <laughs> and if I turn the circuit breaker off, will, will anything bad happen? <laughs> because you really can't memorize everything the first day. Well, right. So... But, but it's such a cool thing. You get to sit in it the first time, and you want to know what everything is right now. You don't want to wait and learn and, and learn it in order. You want to know. So What's this, dude? What is this? What is this? So when you so you flew a helicopter, though. Yeah. Can you, as, as a civilian now, can you just like say, like, oh, I think I'm going to go fly a helicopter for some company or something? Like, are you, Do you have like a license that lets you do that? I do have a license, but I don't have the rating anymore because when I had the medical stuff going on, some of the medications I had to take derates me. So it wouldn't be safe in the FAA's restrictions to be on those medications and be a pilot. So if I was to get off of the medications completely and then pass a physical, then yeah, I could go and be a commercial pilot. I could use that no problem. You could be the furry helicopter pilot. Yeah, I, and I would love to. I really would. You could be a life flight pilot. <laughs> <laughs> helicopters are tough too. You know, you could be. Mm-hmm. You could be for what it's worth. 
you know, helicopter yeah. pilot. We well, can get training. a helicopter. If we need live coverage, we want you to be our chopper. <laughs> like, hey, we've got our for what it's worth chopper up there. If I ever have the opportunity to fly anything in a rotor class again, I will jump at it. Even if it's not a turbine engine. I, a diesel engine chopper, that's fine. It's still just as much fun. So what would you say to furs out there? Like, as far as either furs that may be listening to this and they're in the military or maybe some maybe some people that aren't um maybe some people some furs that are wanting to be in the military what are some what's some advice that you would give to them well for me i think i'd say just be yourself and enjoy it nobody's going to care ultimately if you're a furry and in any branch of the military except maybe the navy on a submarine where everybody's living so close together, you can enjoy it openly and not have too much strife from it. I never had any real problems that I can remember. And I know there's other furries in the military. I mean, heck, once I saw all the bronies that came to the conventions for that, they were all representing the military. I'm like, wow, <laughs> you guys are just hiding amongst the plain sight. It's great. I'm just imagining a whole bunch of like different brightly candy-colored well, you some know, of those guys, yeah, they got tattoos of it. So it's like, wow, at some point someone's going to see that and you'll have to explain it. So just enjoy it. There, there was an Air Force squadron who officially came, uh, was basically like a brony squadron. They got their official uh, squad patch and squad insignia, basically of a Pegasus, and it was called Flying is Magic. That's and it's cool. a pink, it's a pink squadron badge, and it is absolutely official. If that's the, I, you know, uh, I think good. it's cool. I mean, good. if I it, that, that'd be awesome. Just honestly, because I wanted to be a pilot, I wanted to get into the navy. I'm just imagining a bunch of like pink fighter jets or something. <laughs> well, their insignia does get, I mean, uh, basically brushed onto their tail fins of their planes yep. for their squadron. So, so they'll have a Pegasus, a pony Pegasus, on their planes. <laughs> that's awesome. Well, I'm happy that it's not so bad to be a furry in the military, though. It's not. Even being gay in the military isn't as bad as it sounds. There's a lot of people that are accepting. You just got a few closet cases that just don't understand. But if you could let them get to know you first, and then you would reveal it, it's usually better. <laughs> Huzzah! <laughs> just so you know, it's like, yeah, after they're bashing those folks the whole time, you say, I just thought you should know, even though we've been friends for two years, I've always been one. <laughs> they're like, I feel so bad now. Well, is there any other stories that you want to share? Oh, I think I've pretty much covered my military career pretty in-depth. It was such a good experience. I'm glad I could share it with you guys. Thanks. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing it. Thank you for your service and, you know, fighting for us so that we can Sit around and make sim- dirty podcasts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. Well, that was the whole point. I did that so... We can continue to enjoy ourselves and do the furry thing and have the freedoms we have. I mean, I've seen people in other countries that don't have half of what we have. It just makes me so appreciative. So what does freedom mean to you? Everything. I mean, we can travel from state to state without having to worry about it. I've been to countries where people are afraid to just go out. You know, I've been to a couple of countries where the kids and the parents don't have any food. They don't have any entertainment. They don't have any transportation. We have such an amazing country. You know, it's a little upsetting when we squabble over the 
little minor details. Exactly, yeah. Well, it's again... Fu it's funny how going out there will be adjust your priorities. Mm -hmm. But it's freedom to choose. Freedom to be who you are. That's what it is to me. It's just wonderful to be able to say I'm a furry on my car and drive around and not worry about it. I think we should give him the clap. One, <laughs> two, three. <laughs> Yeah. You're so weird. No, that's how we applaud on this show. You no. know that. No, I do want to say again, thank you for your service. Always. And thank you for all the furries that are out there. And and not just furries. Thank you for every everybody that has put their life on the line for another person. Same to, for me. To help them. Yeah, I think all the people that are still working hard, doing what they got to do to be in a place they don't want to be or in a situation that's harder than they thought it might. It'll be okay. All right. Well, I think we're going to take our last break. Then we'll come back and lighten the mood a bit and play the game. Woo! All right. For what it's worth truly is driven by your letters, emails, voicemails, and more. The show would be a lot more boring without you. You make the difference. Here's how you can join in the fun. To comment on today's show topic, visit forwhatitsworth.com and leave your thoughts on the show notes page. You don't need to create an account to do so. Email the show at cast at forwhatitsworth.com for general comments, rue at forwhatitsworth.com, tugs at forwhatitsworth.com, and if you're lonely, koru at forwhatitsworth.com can be used to contact a specific cast member. Voicemail is awesome! And you don't have to type. Call 469-44-FURRY and leave us a message. Long distance charges may apply. Send cookies, packages, love, and nut bombs to P.O. Box 25394 Salt Lake City, Utah 84125 United States. If you would like to remain anonymous, just let us know and we will keep it that way. Before sending items to the show, Please be aware we cannot return them to you for safety reasons. If you have any original music or art you'd like played on the air or displayed on the website, send it to music at forwhatitsworth.com. If you'd like to keep up between shows, check out our Twitter, at forwhatitsworth, our Facebook page, or our Google Plus page. It's a great way to get your show fix and see what we're up to. And now, back to the show. It's time for the, the game. game. Game, game, You put it three times. Game. That was good. That was good. I like that. Okay. All right. So, uh, have you listened to our show before? No. Actually, it's the first time. Good, good. Well, you're participating. This is... <laughs> you are super listening. Um, well, it's time to torture you because you've agreed to come on. We always had to punish you for that. So... Okay. So we're going to play an abbreviated version of True or False. The reason it's abbreviated, normally it's 10 questions, this time it's 5, is because at the time I set aside to prepare for the game, the internet went away. And I only had 5 questions. So your questions are worth 2 points instead of 1. Yay! Okay. That's interesting. Sorry, guys. Hey, so. I did the best I could here. Remember what happens when you write the game. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> so, ready? Questions? Sure. Okay, so what we're going to do is we will read you a new story and then ask you a true or false question related to that story. Mm -hmm. 
Okay. So, a toothless Lakewood man gave his roommate's arm a serious gumming after she refused to clean his ear, according to charges filed in Pierce County Superior Court. According to the charging documents, 52-year-old Kenneth Chambers got upset with his female roommate at the Rancho Villa Mobile Home Park in Lakewood on Sunday over her refusal to clean his ear and broke the door to her room off its hinges. The victim repeatedly sat on Chambers' lap and tried to talk to him, but he pushed her to the floor and bit her wrist. The victim later told Lakewood police officers Chambers didn't have his teeth, but he still bit down hard enough to hurt her. True or false, the earliest found door hinges to date are made of wood. True. Oh, wait, I have, I have buttons. <laughs> buttons? Are you sure? Well, I'm not totally sure, but I'll stick with it. <laughs> false. They are made of bronze. Cool. I guess that would kind of suck if you open the door and it just broke right off. They suspect that there were earlier hinges, but they have not found any that they can document. So are you ready for question two? Yeah. Here's your story. A San Francisco man suspected of having one too many drinks is accused of posing as a TSA agent and groped two unsuspecting women, both foreigners, in a private booth for security pat-downs. Authorities said the man was a ticketed passenger who went through the security checkpoint and was seen drinking at an airport lounge for a few hours on Tuesday. The man, who was wearing khaki pants and a blue polo, may have swiped bl- plastic blue gloves to look the part. According to authorities, the man returned to passenger screening and convinced a passenger who was already screened to go to a private booth. What happened inside isn't exactly ke- clear because she disappeared to catch her flight. True or false, Giorgio Ar- Armania invented the polo shirt in 17,000. 17,000? 17,000? 17,000s. I think I'll say false on that one. I don't know. <laughs> well, it would definitely <laughs> false with the 70. <laughs> Renee Lacoste invented the Rene, polo. Renee Lacoste invented the polo in, um, in 18,000. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Question three. Uh, an Australian Four. woman has been found dead, possibly as a result of connecting a device to a USB charger that does not comply with safety standards. The Australian state of New South Wales Fair Trading Commissioner Rod Stowe, that was like a lot of capitals, has issued a statement warning local punters not to buy chargers that do not bear the usual panoply of certification marks after the recent death of a consumer where an unapproved USB charger was potentially implicated. True or false? Windows 95 did not have a native support for USB. Um, Windows 95 didn't. That is correct. True. It was introduced with Windows 98. I think so, yeah. Unless you were like uh, a Luddite and you called it Windows 97. (laughs) Or Windows 99. I only know that because I had Windows 95. Windows, uh, they patched it in, but 98 was where they debuted it. Question 4. Robin Jacobs, 31, of South Woodford in London, was surprised to see a massive cock on his Milky Bar as he took a bite out of it while watching the World Cup final. The education lawyer believes the giant phallus, which is an upside-down horse head, is inappropriate for children. He said, What on earth is a penis doing on a kid's chocolate bar? There's no point denying what it looks like. It's obvious. We all can see it. He ate the bar. True or false, in the United Kingdom, the practice of law is divided between solsters? Solicitors. Oh, wow. Solicitors and... Barristers. Barristers. (laughs) 
uh, Adv- advocates in Scotland. It it is the later who appear in court when a lawyer becomes a barrister. Barrister. Wow. He is called to the bar. Wow. True That's or false? A, I'm going to say true on that one because I don't really know much about those guys. Are you sure? Because you've had two true in a row. Yeah. <laughs> That's correct. And what's the score? Because the next question is last. Six. Oh. Six. 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 <laughs> it's better than nine. <laughs> See. <laughs> so you could get a total of Eight points. Yeah, that make you one of our highest scores this season. All right. Cool. TV presenter Carrie Bickmore forgot what she had drawn on the back of a piece of paper when she accidentally held up on camera on Thursday's episode of The Project. This is in Australia. Uh, the TV presenter was has taken doodling to a new level. The co-host uh, caused a stir when she held up the phallic symbol at the end of Thursday's show. So basically she drew a big old dick on this paper. I watched the video and she's all... Cool. <laughs> Hello, Australia. This is a dick. <laughs> I, I saw that video. <laughs> so, true or false, Carrie Fisher plays the recurring role on Family Guy. <laughs> false. That is incorrect. Yeah. She plays Peter's boss. Really? Yep. Cool. And I love that show. <laughs> the answer was true. So, what was the final? Six. 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 Six points. Good job. Good job. Ooh, that's pretty good. Usually people get two. Cool. Or one. Yeah. <laughs> I think the, the lowest was zero. So it's good. Yeah. Well, awesome. So it's, fun. it's time. We got a package in the mail. And it's time for the party lights. Whoa. What, what just happened? What just happened? Oh, that's cool. I turned on the party lights. <laughs> the ones with LED bulbs. Remember, we got one, and now the party lights have returned to us in spirit. That's amazing. (laughs) I've been wanting one of those for a while now. Sorry, Tugs just... Turned on the party lights. (laughs) Turned down the lights in our studio, and all of them are, like, different colors. So we got a package from Lil Chu, believe it or not. (gasps) Really? Yes. It's an airbag. (gasps) Yay! Let me pop it. (laughs) (laughs) No, no. No, no, I want to pop that. No one's popping it. I want to pop it. So... This one's for you. <gasps> okay. <gasps> Yay! And this one's for you, Koru. You got a package. Yay, I got something. I'm a thing now. I'm a thing. And this one's for- so what did you get, Rue? I got Tim Tams. Woo! Which ones? Um, the original. Koru, what did you get? I got the caramel ones, which I've never had. They're really good. I've never had those. And I got the double coat. I don't even know what that means. Tape and stuff. Jeez. <laughs> I know, right? Oh, and there are notes for each of you. Really? Uh-huh. You have to read your note. That's Corey ripping ass. Yes. <laughs> you got to read it out loud. This one is for Drew from someone whose name <laughs> doesn't have little in it. <laughs> So, I think we should open these and pass them around. Yeah. How does that sound? Yeah, let's do it. Man, we should have, like, hot chocolate here. In the summer? Have Tim Tam Slams. No, it's summer, I kill you. All right, all right. Mm. And then mine says that this one is for the amazing Karu from your friend, Little Chew. Thank you so much, Little Chew. It, it, is, it is a very, very 
nice gesture. And also thank you for the art that you did recently for me. That was incredibly amazing. He, he did art for my boyfriend. Blueberries. Yeah, blueberries. All right, come on, we got to share. These are Have you amazing. had these before? No. No? I haven't. Oh, good. So you'll have to tell us what you think of it. You'll have to give us a review. These are going to become your guys' like, favorite cookies. Mm, I've said this on the air before, but the way to have a Tim Tam in a Tim Tam Slam is you bite a corner of each piece diagonally, and then you put it in, like, milk, or you can, like, put it in hot chocolate, and then you can just suck through it. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Here. Oh, no, we had an incident. What happened? The Tim Tams fell. No. Just kidding. All right, so what do you think of all these different Tim Tams? So these are cookies from Australia, or I'm sorry, biscuits from Australia. I love the centers. The, what is it, a wafer? I have to say that I love the caramel. Yeah, nice and stretchy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm. I've never had those. Mm-hmm. I like the texture and the flavor. It's not too sweet like I was expecting. I give that a five out of five. Five out of five? Mm-hmm. I'll give it a five out of five as well. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. Oofen, what do you give it? I think they're delicious. Five out of five? Oh, yeah. Rich and creamy. <laughs> really fun to eat in the mood lighting. No, these are the party lights. That's what we turn on when we get food in the mail. <laughs> Sorry, I can't talk. I'm pointing. Corey, what's your <laughs> review of the of the caramel? Well, I, I, I unfortunately uh, am not feeling well, and uh, I will eat them later. But I've had the original Tim Tams before, and I know that they are amazing. They are extremely well. So I expect the same. Turn on disco This mode. is turning into a very long, but very good segment. All right, so that's it then. Shall we turn off the party lights? Oh, we want to say thank you, little. Wow. I want to say little chew. <laughs> Sorry. Lit chew. See, can't say lit, it. Lit chew? Lin chew? Lit chew. Little chew. Why can't I be little chew? No, little chew. Little chew. Little chew. Little chew. Okay. Meanwhile, in another part of town. Bless you. All right, we've pulled the zipper down. It's time for the mailbag. We didn't have too much mail, uh, but we do have a, a few mails. A few mails. <laughs> that sounds terrible. Actually, I think we only have one mail. So let me grab it. This one is from Torpor. He's salty, you know. Uh, he says... Hello, Rue and Tugs. My name is Torpor. I'm a North American porcupine currently living in North Carolina. I just discovered your podcast, and I've quickly become a devoted listener. I would like to get your perspective on something. I'm over 50 years old and considerably older than a vast majority of the fandom. I attended AC in 2011. Naturally, I had high hopes when I put on the trip. Shortly after I arrived in Pittsburgh, I began to realize that I was essentially invisible to other attendees and would remain so throughout the long weekend. I wasn't prepared at all for that kind of widespread disregard. I was angry for months after the trip. Gradually, I found some kind of internal peace since I would no longer be wasting money on airfare, accommodations, meals, or badge commissions. Last autumn, I decided to take a risk and visit a local meet at a restaurant near my job. The organizer was welcoming, but once again, none of the other 11, 20-somethings at the table would acknowledge that I was at the same table. 
I was embarrassed and miserable, so I simply crammed a plate full of pasta primavera down my throat as quickly as I could, then retreated. I don't need contact with the fandom, with one exception. Fursuiters. I do adore fursuiters. I watch parade footage, dance contests, and performance videos on YouTube, but that really is an adequate replacement. Yes, despite absolutely zero experience in fursuit construction, <clears throat> I am building my own suit. I decided that if no one will interact with me as an old man, perhaps I can make a better impression as my persona. Frankly, I've never done anything more difficult. After months of trial and an absurd number of errors, I am approximately 70% done with the foam sculpt of the head. I haven't learned to sew yet, but I'll face that challenge when it comes up. I have no idea when or if I'll finish, but I still keep at it. Assuming I do complete the project, I hope that acting goofy in an adorable porcupine suit will provide me with an opportunity to finally meet some friends. Unfortunately, I don't know how much stamina I have for running around covered from head to toe in carpet. I most likely will have to remove my head in the headless lounge when I need water, destroying the magic twice, once by showing the human underneath the pelt and twice by exposing my age. Do you believe that fursuiters within the lounge will be more welcoming to a fellow performer regardless of age than other furries who have been to me who have been to me in the past? What do I do if I'm still invisible? Thank you for your time, Torpor. If I have a response for you. If you're ever in Utah, you're always welcome here. And I'll even give you some sewing pointers. I I have to say that when, when I read your email, I was really, really kind of sad. I was pissed. I was too. Let me tell you, in Utah, we have a lot of... Um, we do have a handful of people that are older. And you know what? They're welcome in the community, like... I mean, basically, that's to me what furry is, is welcoming people, no matter who you are, what age that you are, and, you know, just know that there are people that will accept you, and, you know, there's some young people that just haven't learned the life lessons yet of, you know, accepting people for who they are, and so, you know, I would just continue to go to things, and eventually you're gonna find you know you're gonna find people i would say reach out online and make some friends there if you can because on the internet you only look like what people draw you as which for most of us in this audience is i think some kind of an animal uh and make friends that way and that way you have someone who can you know you can i i don't know i like when i go out in public and i don't know a lot of people i kind of like to have a buddy like a like a safe place um, and you could have that. So are you saying, like, get on the local local group and, like, get sure, to know sure. people that way? And right. then And then after work, you know, get to know them yeah. in person type thing? Yeah. I mean, I, that's, that that's what be, I do. That might be a good thing, yeah. you know. But that way you can kind of get still, a feel for each other. And so it's, it's, no, it's no replacement for in person. But it's a good way for you to kind of get your feelers out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but, yeah, say hi to people in the, in the fursuit lounge. That's a good way. I mean, I've had people come up and introduce themselves to me, and I've made friends, and I didn't mind at all. Um, it's just, we, furries are, can be socially awkward and introverted and scared of saying hi to people, and you could be the guy who says hi. I want to I also validate, you know, what you're saying, um, because, you know, you're not the only person that's came to me and told me um, the same type of story same type of scenario um i have two great friends that are in idaho um tally and wank they're pretty amazing guys and um you know they're they're of the age of like 60 60 50s you know different things like that so and they have the same exact um 
things that happen when they go to a um, to a meet. They kind of feel well. It's also in Idaho, so there's not very many furs out there. It's but like three furries and a potato. Yeah, they they feel like <laughs> that they don't necessarily belong there, and and it's sad because they're great people and they have a lot of things to offer. So, you know, if you're ever in Utah, please let us know. Otherwise, yeah, say hi to people. I mean, that's 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 the way you start any conversation and see where it goes. What would you say your advice would be? Well, actually, surprisingly, I had this exact same problem when I went to AC. I'd already been to a bunch of cons before that, and it's such a large convention to start with. So to be the first one, it's kind of hard to meet a lot of new people and get them to talk to you because they already have their groups. And I was fursuiting, and I, I, was, I had some friends there. So it wasn't completely isolated, but it, it did seem a little different. So try going to one of the smaller conventions and just talking to people, and it will be so much different. It's true. Really will. AC is the biggest con, yeah. and if it, it's it's like... It's overwhelming. It a- is. It's kind of like going down the street in New York and having hoping someone will notice you. Yeah. AC is all about, like, I, at least maybe, maybe I'm wrong because I haven't been there, but as far as what I get the gist of is that everybody's like, ooh, look at me. Look at me! It's like a whole yeah, great. Exactly. Everybody's like trying even, to be the center of attention at the I same was exact to do that. time. Yeah. Well, I, I was trying to unveil my first homemade personal fursuit, and I want everyone to say you're amazing. And, you know, it just doesn't work that way. No. No. I've heard someone describe AC as the trade show of furry versus other cons, where it's more of a, you know, we're all together. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think for AC that can be true. It's it's just, it's huge. It's thousands and thousands of people. Yeah. So, well, you're, so you're saying it's more more business, less social? Kind of. Yeah. That's what it felt like to me a little bit. It's a good con, though. It's just a different style. Yeah, well, let us know uh, how it goes for you. Yeah, I'd definitely. I would love to have an update email. And also, dear everyone else in North Carolina, please don't be a dick. Yeah. You're, you're probably not trying to be, but just be. Like, seriously, when it comes to local furry um, things, get gatherings or whatever... You know, don't sit with just your buddies. Like, go sit with people that may be new and try to get to know them and different things like that. I don't know. That's my opinion. But, you know, one one thing to end this email. Keep trying. You'll find somebody. Yeah. All right. I think that's it for the mailbag. Yeah, no, we don't we have one more? No, we only had one. No. <clears throat> well, we, send- we are getting emails for other shows, but those are we're holding on to those. Okay. Well, so it's so, time for housekeeping. Yeah. So what do we have going on? Uh, well, I, I get, oh, I get to announce this one. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So we finally got our emails yesterday. Our show is not going to be doing a show at, but we will be attending Comic Con. Uh, they finally approved our press passes, so Yay! we'll be covering that and seeing what exactly is going on and what the odor is like. Oh, it's probably Please gonna, bathe. It's going to be interesting. Yeah. Please bathe. <laughs> <laughs> um, we are accepting submissions for our What Does Furry Mean to You? We've gotten a few. Keep them coming, please, please, please. Also, we have another episode coming up with Vor. Ooh, We're no, trying no, to no, do no, the Vor no, episode no, no, still. No. So, please send us an email if you would like. If you want to be in there. What? If you want to be in there. If you want to be inside. For what it's worth. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my. Uh, And oh, what did you say? You want people to send drawings? 
Yeah, send drawings of boar. <laughs> Why not? I don't know. I just I feel like we're missing something. Oh, yeah. If you liked our show, please go comment on our site because it makes people look like go. You know that they're going there, and uh, that's good. I like that. Yeah. And yeah, Anthrocon. Woo! Yeah, go to Anthrocon. Buy a room. Get a badge. Do the thing. So. Thanks again for coming out, Hoofin. Yeah, thanks for letting me come on your show. It was awesome. So if people were wanting to contact you about whatever, how would they get a hold of you? Oh, you can send me an email. My Gmail is hoofindonkey at gmail.com. And I pretty much respond to anyone who messages me. How do you spell Hoofin, just so you know? It's H-O-O-F-N-D-O-N-K-E-Y. Great. Just like that. Awesome. This music is just amazing. It is. It's pretty cool. <laughs> is there anything else that we need? Uh, I'll remember as soon as we stop recording. Uh, of course. That always happens. Yeah, that's what we do. Well, so this has been Rue. This is Tugs. Unmute. And, and Koru, unmuted. <laughs> and Koru, <laughs> unmuted. And Open Donkey. And this has been For, for what, what It's, it's worth. worth. Damn it, he got it. He got it. Damn it. Yeah. Good job.